My name's Kendra Houseman from Out of the Shadows, and you're about to listen to a series of interviews that took place over nine months. I want to know what life would be like for a child that had been through domestic abuse, parental mental health, poverty, and exploitation, to name a few. What would happen if we created a team, an army almost, to support that child? 28 people were interviewed, all with the same question in mind. What could have been different for child B? You're about to listen to Blondie's People. So follow us on our journey where I will speak to everyone from George the Poet to some of my good friends as we discover what it takes to become one of Blondie's people. Within these episodes, you will find answers, you will find guidance, and most of all, you will find an insight to a world that many do not know. There's a trigger warning for some of these episodes, and some of them are not child-friendly. We're going to talk about things that are very, very raw and real. So kick back and get ready for a journey, a journey you will not forget. Welcome to Blondie's People. So my name's Kendra Houseman and I'm holding interviews for Blondie's People. People that I aspire to be like now, but also people that would have helped Blondie when she was younger. So who are you and what are you doing here? (laughs) (laughs) Hi Kendra. Well firstly I've got massive respect for you. Um, I met you a couple of years ago at a conference and my heart goes out to you. I just think you're amazing. I, I respect your work. I I respect your journey. I, I just, you know, big Thank respect. You. Big respect. We, we, we killed that um, when we went to that conference. I think we was like, we tore it up, didn't we? We started people shouting and screaming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's nice because I sometimes talk about my journey and my experiences, and I, I don't always feel a connection with people who are hearing me but I felt a connection with you and I've since then read your blogs um watched your interviews and I just think it's really important what you're doing so so and you invited me which is lovely you know I'm, I'm really you know I'm really pleased to be um part of your uh, yeah you blondies people I'm happy to be in that gang um and I am, my life consists of desperately trying to wake people up to the reality of, in particular, not exclusively, girls and young women's lives. Okay. Um, the risks there are, the sexualized, pornified society we live in. And obviously that will in turn, you know, support boys and young men. I've got a son, but as a um, passionate woman, a radical feminist, I feel that my my role is to prevent, educate, protect, love, cherish our girls and young women because society doesn't do that. Society not <laughs> um, And then when they're hurt and harmed by patriarchal structures, sexism, pornification, we put the responsibility back to them, which beggars belief. Um, so, so I look at, or I try and hold a space, a safe space for girls. Um, and I also educate, raise awareness to professionals, to society about um, victim blaming, about uh, 
the um, the huge numbers of girls and women who experience sexual violence and abuse from we, very very tender ages. We've jumped in deep. Right? That's me and you. Okay, okay, okay. Even nice. Let's talk about victim blaming. I mean, like, so anyone who don't know you, just give a bit of a background on you, Fiona. So, where would you come from? Are you posh? Do you come from like a nice posh area? You sound. <laughs> hey, listen. I am from an estate. I'm well proud. I'm a Bradford lass. So working estate. <laughs> working class. But interestingly, I've had a. And I've had an acute awareness of class from being a young girl because yeah. I was a dancer, I was very talented as a child and my parents worked really hard to provide lessons for me, which most of the kids on my estate, it wasn't going to be a, an option. They did and I'll be forever thankful to them. But what, what I went to a dance school where there were very, very, very white privileged people. Yeah. And so I immediately, I, I kind of understood about class and where and your right. place. Yeah. Um, but I, I was on at the theatre in Bradford, I was a sunbeam singing and dancing and I got a solo and I thought, yeah, you know, you can't buy talent. Um, <laughs> anyway, I started singing in my proper broad Bradford accent and they sent, they were like, stop, stop. So they sent in the, they sent in the elocution teacher to sort me out. Wait, it didn't work. It didn't work, Fiona. Well, absolutely not. I mean, I can put it on me when I need to. But interestingly, my school friends came to see the show and I got really bullied afterwards. Why? Because, because I was singing posh. So all them, you know, anyway. Women in society. I don't know why I needed to say that, but I just, you know, that's the way I'm a Bradford laugh. Hey? It's important to know that, that women, we're told to... Uh, lose weight, put weight on, eat nice, do this, talk nice, be yourself, don't be, a, we're, we're told to be these, and that just shows just that little snippet that you were told, right, you need to sing like this, but then your friend, yeah, yeah it's very, it's a very yeah. powerful image. And I've also worked with, um, I worked at an organisation with very white privileged women who constantly told me are aggressive and, you know, I, I mean, I ended up being made redundant, they, they got rid of me, and I was like, aggressive. And we worked on estates with poor kids, and I'm like, no, I'm just real, I'm just me. Anybody who knows me, yeah. I feel it straight, but I'm not aggressive, you know, no. I, mean, I don't do violence, I hate it. Anyone but, who's never heard of you and listened to this now, they're going to be thinking, who, what is this woman? What is her story? So let's not, let's not go there. Let's talk about what you do now. So right now, you um, have Builder Girl. So pretend I've never heard of Builder Girl. I haven't met the lovely girls. Tell me what Builder Girl is. Okay. Builder Girl is a project to support young women to reach their full potential, to be unique, to be individual, to stand up, to be noticed, to break down, like, well, social uh, mobility, really. I mean... A lot of these bloody terms are bandied about, aren't they, for funding and for this. Yeah. But it's about talking to young people who might, or girls, in poorer communities and saying, you can be anything. And just, and I don't necessarily sit down and say that to them, but just offer a space for them, talk to them, bring books in, bring, bring subjects in to talk about, you know, just... 
raise our questions. Yeah, yeah. And often, it, you know, simply, simply just to be heard, you know, just for somebody, an adult, a safe adult, to just talk to them and hear them and acknowledge them. Because often they're invisible in society until they're fuckable, you know. Right. And then, you know, and then often they're then in damaging and harmful relationships. And it's just about building that uniqueness and that young girl's army, you know, that is going to oppose bullshit, you know, that they're going to be sexual objects, they're going to be reduced to dancing around a pole, they're going to be reduced to, you know, standing on the street corner. Nah. Nah, I don't, I don't support, I don't support any of that for the young women I work with. When I, when I ask them, we'll say that again? No, it's, it's okay, go on, go ahead. When I, I ask people what they do and why they're here, I then explain why you're here. So of course you're here because I invited you, but this is why. So when I first saw you at the um, conference, it was my first um, ever conference I'd gone to of that type. I walked in thinking, well, I'm not a feminist. I always remember it, walking in very broadly, I'm not a feminist, what am I doing here? And walked out going, I'm just such a feminist, bruv. Like, <laughs> and um, I was told, they said, oh, you're, you're speaking with Fiona. And I, I knew who you was. I was like, no, 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 no. I can't go on stage with her. Like, she's, what are you talking about? This woman's amazing. And I remember me and you got up there and we just clicked, didn't we? Like, it was like I'd always known you. You'd always been one of my people. And um, we just clicked and we were just taken over the stage and we like started saying all these things people should do. And at the end, you hugged me and you kind of acknowledged that I didn't like physical contact. And you said it. You said, I'm going to hug you. You don't really like it, but we're going to do it anyway. And just got me. And I just was like, honestly, and I just felt relief. such a relief because I needed that at that time. So that's why you're here now, because um, we, we have walked the same street. Not the exact name of the street. We've walked the same street. The other reason you're here is that I was called lots of things growing up, including a child prostitute, which isn't exist and isn't true. I believe, Fiona, that if Blondie had come to you at 15, angry and cussing and telling you to fuck off, you would have still tried to help her. I don't think I, you ever would have not helped her. Absolutely not. I get very angry young women who are being... Um, Picked out of school, put in proves at like eight and nine years of age, beautiful young women that are obviously hurt, angry, struggling. And whilst I don't really, uh, I mean, if they call me, they do come, they do swear in my face, they do get angry. And I make sure they know that I don't like that. But yes. I never shut the door on them and don't judge them from it. None of this three strikes and you're out crap. You know, none of that. I, and walk with them until they're ready to you would never have turned your back on the child that I was and you don't turn your back on the blondies that exist now you know what Kendra I'd love to be able to work with every single girl and young woman in this honestly and and we're all doing this bit aren't we but we desperately need this more better funded more acknowledgement of this simple not outcomes not ticking boxes not um you know dumping over 74 hoops for a couple of grand you can keep a couple of grand i'd rather do it voluntary and eat from a eat from a um food bank seriously 
than, than kowtow to systems that actually add to the problems. They certainly do not address them, you know. Um, and also with these girls, you know, I can't go in with my jumped up self and my university self or whatever. Do you know, like, I know there's brilliant workers who don't particularly yeah. have a bad, bad background or whatever. I'm not saying that, but I meet them at their level. I get down on that floor with them. I, there's, there's a line, there's boundaries, yeah. and, the, and I'm very, very clear with them about that. It's not, you know, come in and do what you want. And, we, and in fact, something about the group that I run, give them young women ownership of that. I don't own their lives. I don't own their space. I just, I suppose, just hold that safe space for them. I love them. I really love them. And I'm not just saying that as a bullshit thing. I care deeply about these girls. They are diamonds. They are such diamonds. And one of them, I interrupted you a bit ago, so apologies, but I wanted to tell you about this one girl. What a girl, seriously. Um, she, she's poor, you know. And when she first came to that group, she had her shoulders round, she had her head down, you know, all her clothes tight, you know, and, and she's like a butterfly now. Um, and I've, been, I've known her probably now about four years. And she said to me one day, I'd really like to be a barrister. And I said, well, you can be a barrister. And she's like, no. And I said, you can, you can be anything. Anything. Anyway, through Philia, the conference that we met at, um, I know somebody who's a barrister. I know quite a few people who are barristers because I have a brilliant one myself, Harriet Wistrich, but there was somebody oh, else. Who, yeah, yeah. There, there's another really lovely woman, Julian, and she came up. From, oh, I love Julian. Yeah, she came up from London and we took, we took the girl out for dinner. No. And she was like, yeah. And she was like, well, out to eat. We all went, we went for pizza, you know what I mean? They're like, I can't. I said, you can. Yes, you can. And, and I said, and prepare some questions for her. Yeah. After that, seriously, my friend, who was a barrister, she goes, Julian, she goes, Fiona, her questions. She said, she's, cause she's better than some of the junior barristers I know now. <laughs> so she's studying really, really hard to get to, and, and she will get, I will make sure she gets um, the best work uh, experience. I will make sure she does. And I'll stay with her in London, all in a safeguarding way, all, uh, you know, but I will take that kid to London if I have to, and I'll stay with her for two weeks if I have to, to give her that opportunity to break them cycles, you know. And this brings me back to how different my life would have been if I'd had somebody apart from my mum who had said who had felt the way you did about me my life would have been very very different I've met your girls you remember that um when I come to the video conference and you said you want to come meet my girls and there was this group of like hooded up girls and I was like all right I'll do it. <laughs> in my suit coming in and we sort of all fell in love didn't we it ended up with loads of selfies and like Absolutely. yeah they are they are the Absolutely. most kids they were lovely yeah. Do you know, everyone says that, and we have this thing, they write, they write with, you know, with me and some fantastic youth workers who work with me, fantastic. And they, um, they we write a code of conduct, okay. and we review it. 
and you know and we all agree to it and the girls challenge each other now because like i struggle with like the mobile phone stuff and keeping them safe you know they're constantly on it and so for two weeks two hours a week they don't use the mobile phones in group yeah. Obviously, if they've got anything they need to, you know, if they've got any emergencies yeah. or parents want, that's fine. It's not like school, you know, but but it's just respectfully, about, respectfully, they yeah. put their phones down. Yeah, and anybody who comes to visit our group, the girls give consent to that. I don't just bring people in and say, sit down, listen. We plan. We we talk about what you know, what kind of things do you want to do? We've worked with a fantastic artist and developed some amazing artwork. We worked with Bradford University and did a fabulous photography project across the estate because we wanted to find beauty where they feel bad that they live on this estate. So much beauty. So we went out, we walked, you know, we've we, been, we raised money, the girls raised money to go on a residential, you know, they're, they're just amazing. They're, they're amazing. So I don't think it's rocket science, any of this. I don't think it's costly, any of this. But the cost is the cost we don't do this shit, you know? Um, and, and if the girls listen to this, they'll tell me after saying S H I T. That's what as well. There's no definition. I'm a right swearer. I'm a right swearer, but I have to be myself when I'm in that group, I can tell you. Yeah, no, I said to you, so I'm going to put something to you, which will probably get us debating, but what would you say to them professionals who say this sentence? Them girls put themselves in positions to be exploited. Why do them girls keep putting themselves in risk-taking situations? What, 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 would you, what would you say to them, Fiona? What would you say to them? Well, actually, I, I, I am very explicit with what I say to professionals who say that. I ask them. Do it. I ask them that if they just take themselves back to being twelve years old, if they'd have really enjoyed being on their hands and knees sucking cocks all day, is that really enjoyable? Is that really choice? And I also ask them to just shut their eyes for two seconds and think about a time when they had an un unwanted sexual encounter with their loved ones with their loved ones as adults because we've all I, well i've certainly done it i've certainly oh, oh go on i'll do it you know oh, blah 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 yeah. yeah and not wanted to and just because people have to well you have, you have to knock them on the head with a hammer sometimes it's that it's that difficult to educate certain people when it is as plain as the nose on your face and interestingly when we victim blame and victim blame and hold accountable, vulnerable, desperate, devastated, harmed, abused children, we ignore the problem. And the problem is the men. And of course, it might be their husbands, it might be their brothers, it might be their granddads, it might be their colleagues. You know, we they don't, do want, not they don't want to hear it. It's so easy to blame vulnerable girls who are so angry, who don't articulate right, who want to kick off, who want to tell you to fuck off and call you all the words under the sun, you know. It's I, easy to blame them. It's easy to blame the girls. So easy. 
instead of looking at the big picture, you know. Um, the language you use, so um, when you said that, you know, you're quite explicit and you are, um, I've said some stuff before, people have walked out of meetings or they've said, I don't want to read your blogs. And I say, if me talking about um, girls being sexually exploited makes you uncomfortable, how the fuck do you think the, think the girls are that are going through it? And I ain't interested. I ain't interested. So I hear your, I just want to know what you thought about them professionals that say, but why are the girls putting themselves in their position? Because we have to address it because some people watching this are thinking that. You know, why don't they leave? Why oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I just challenge. I never used to, Kendra. It's taken me a lot of years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of years to be confident and comfortable and know my truth. To be able to say. Able to speak my truth, you know. It's always been in there, I suppose, tied in knots. Because trauma gets in the way, of course. Of course. You know, and trauma doesn't disappear overnight when we expect these girls to come skipping out of this shit and get on with it and attend school and attend this and you're having a laugh mate they have no clue no they have no clue how being violated so badly just damages you and and you know summer without any of them kendra I know you'll not, you'll get me here. We've got out of terrible, horrendous, horrendous, abusive situations. And it hasn't been the professionals that have helped me, I can tell you. Listen, no professional saved me. This is why I'm making Blondie's people. Yes. My son saved me. My yes. self saved me, yeah. Yes. My child yes. saved me. No professional. I'm not saying they didn't yes. try. Professionals did try, but they were tick boxing. You know, you can look for it. Yeah, yeah, they were. They weren't hearing. They were talking, but they weren't hearing. What What would you say, Fiona? Right? To they're, they're saying that exploitation has has reduced in lockdown. It's like gone away. What would you think? Really? <laughs> Bullshit. 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 I tell you what. Mobile phones, the internet. It is terrifying. We do not even have a clue about the numbers of our, our girls and boys in some cases who are being hideously targeted constantly like up to 50 times a day girls have told me have been harassed by and i i get it on facebook i mean please please you know trying to groom me i'm like uh you, you're fucking 50 years too late pal yeah. you know but so we've got that so that's one thing. And then we've still got girls running away from home, yeah. falling into the house, being taken to wherever they're taken to, being bought and sold. Well, they don't, they don't even really get anything. They? they don't profit from it. Really. And let's be clear, even though we're talking about girls, we're not, we're not, not acknowledging that it happens to boys at all. It's just that no, no, we're, no. we're talking about what we know. So that's why yes. we're talking about it. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. I, I, Kendra, I'm very aware that I've kind of just gone off on a tangent. I don't yeah. even know if I've answered the first question. I have answered the first question. We're just getting there slowly. And the thing is, we need to talk about, um, so I, I believe that everyone I spoke to said there's going to be a spike, a visual spike of exploitation county lines in the next few weeks. My point is, I always ask the people I trust, so has it stopped? No, it hasn't stopped. It's just become less visible hasn't it that's what it is it's become less visible 
It has. And do you know something? We, we focus on the wrong people, like I said before. We turn the girls inside out or the victims. Yeah. If it's a boy, we turn them inside out. We look at the class, we look at the prison, we look at the future. We never, ever hold accountable the vast numbers of men who get off on girls. You know? well, we, we, could, we could expand that, right? We could take that to DV. We could take that to child protection cases. Totally. <laughs> totally. We victim blame all the time. But also, like, I mean, as well, you know, like, um, in lockdown, men will still, you know, because they, have, they are so entitled, they've got their entitlement yep. right to the end of their penises. Yep. And I know not all men, I mean the kind of men who yep. exploit girls and young women. Um, not all men before anybody starts. No. There you go. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> but right to the end of their penises, their entitlement to have to and what do they want. whatever they want to anybody with no accountability. Well, no wonder, no wonder we've got the kind of society we've got. And, and, and we're not, and as well, if we explore that, so I'm very open. When I talk about my story, I say that I was um, a victim and a perpetrator. There were times that I got other girls involved in what I was doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was never yeah, yeah, yeah. a choice. I always try and explain it to people. I didn't go and find girls because I thought it was funny. It was to try and protect myself. The men are the one that subjected us to what was going on. And I think that's where people get confused. And if people are watching this going, oh, there is women that do it as well, that um, sexually exploit men, uh, children. Yeah, we're talking to you as well, Rob. Like, we're talking to everyone who takes oh, totally. the power totally. of the totally. What would you say if you're in that? If there's somebody who's watching this, if there's a young person out there, a girl, that is the victim of sexual exploitation, what, what, would you, what can we say to them? Is there hope at the end of the tunnel? Do children get out of it? yeah yeah we do we do get out of it we do and do you know something i tend not to say anything to them i tend to just be with them and once they know they're safe with me they will talk and they will go on their journey and i'll walk on that journey with them because you know i would talk to and still people talk at me and that's the last thing I needed. I didn't need somebody putting a strategy together. No. That they use for Jenny, Penny, Penny, Fanny, whatever. Do you know what I mean? I, I want I want a number, I want you know, but I had to and then also the strategies you've got to squeeze into. Yeah, you've got to be able so, to do them strategies. You'll be able to have the 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 headspace to take on the strategies that they're trying to. That's why I kicked off so much because trying to force you into a a, a space that is is in fact it's triggering and it's traumatizing. It's re-traumatizing. Yeah. Re-trauma. Do you know what? This this. So I asked you the question, right? So we're gonna rewind a little bit now. Ready? Yeah. Tell people who you are, Fiona. Not, not build a girl. Not anything else. Let's let's get down to it, okay? So okay. who are who are you? What have you been through? Um, I'm Fiona, and I have, um, God, what a journey. <laughs> I, I had the misfortune to meet a man who, um, 
groomed me and exploited me into the sex trade at the age of 15. I had had sexual abuse before that. Mm -hmm. um, and in fact, interestingly, it wasn't until I was recovering from 11 years in hell, which was the sex trade, that I, that I actually had memories of sexual abuse as a child. Really? Yeah. And it wasn't in my home. It wasn't my parents. Um, I, I don't really want to go there, but I, wanna, I just want to say that, you know, yeah. who it was and how and blah, blah. Cause Anyway. Um, but I do know that I was, um, I mean, I was a tiny little girl in nursery and I had an obsession with masturbating. So it must, I must have been very tiny when. Yeah. When the signs were there. The signs were there, yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, troublesome teenager, problem child, blah, blah, blah. Parents not understanding, not knowing what to do to keep a roof of the head for the four other children you know yeah. blah 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 um did you I, stay in school I, did you get kicked out uh i were i never went to school oh, I know. Well, from middle school i loved i loved my young younger years in school. Yeah. i loved it so i felt i felt safe and i felt you know it was lovely and but high school different i hated too it. much wasn't it too much yeah absolutely hated it um didn't really fit in with the it crowd and they you know so kind of a bit in limbo and stopped going to school basically and my parents didn't really have a clue what were going on you know but I loved dancing so that was my life my dancing and my performing and I loved it I absolutely loved it but my dad stopped paying for my lessons when he knew I were missing school as a punishment yeah. you know um and then I just got worse then. I just totally... You had nothing to do. You know. Um, and... How did you meet... How did you meet the man that went on to... Like, how I met him. I met him in the bus station in my city, you know. Again, which is where a lot of vulnerable girls go and they run away. And, yeah. You know, I'm sure... I'm sure... I mean, I didn't even think about tomorrow. No? You know, I was in the moment and I met him. He had a place literally walking distance from the bus station and within no time at all I was there in his flat um I was having a sexual relationship with an adult male I want a sexual relationship I was being abused I was being sexually abused by an adult male yeah but again in my head oh I had a boyfriend I felt yeah. big felt good felt whatever um and then within no time at all he took, he took me to London um, put me to work outside the Hilton Hotel, which again speaks volumes. Why is prostitution happening uh, with girls, with young girls around the plushest, most expensive hotel in London? Maybe somebody can answer that for us because yeah. you know, everyone yeah. says it doesn't happen or they don't say anything. So why does that? Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, eventually, I was criminalised. Um, I did managed to get away from that guy but fell straight into the hands of another guy and i was controlled in prostitution for five years okay so literally you know seven days a week mm -hmm. i mean i'm like the bloody grand old duke york you know i've had ten thousand men and that ain't an easy thing to live with people don't think about that how our souls are so trashed they 
have no idea. Yeah. You know, and, and again, these men, I was just an invisible face to these men. The younger, the better. School uniforms were the biggest request. Shave your pubic hair because, you know, I want, and call me daddy. All this shit, you know. This and, is you're, and you're taking this in as a young person, don't forget. You're still growing yeah. your head. Well, I didn't even know what sex was before that. You know, that was my introduction, introduction to what sex was. I was clueless. Mm -hmm. So it was fine to do whatever men wanted to do to me. Fucking bring it on. I shut down. I disassociated. I was hard-faced. I lost my identity. Like that. So quickly. And, you know, I was thinking before, when you, when you asked me to speak, Kendra, I was thinking about this. Um, it's a long, long time ago now. Yeah. But I've only just recently started to love myself. Really? I'm 51 years old. And it's only latterly that, I've, that I can honestly say I love myself. And that's, so, and that's the other thing about Build a Girl. It's too late when you're 51, when you've never had intimacy when you've never felt worthy because every single subsequent relationship yeah. has been built based on abuse. Yes. Sexual oh. abuse. You know, I've, you know, never sat with a partner and talked about our hopes and dreams, you know, and that, that's why my life's, you know, I've got my life. I mean, it's great now. I've got a beautiful son. He's beautiful, my boy. But I can't bear to think women have to continue living their lives feeling like shit for the sake of a fucking two-second fucking orgasm. It makes my blood boil. And nobody talks about it. It's such a... Oh, they do. They say, oh, it's the oldest profession. Fucking profession. Get yourself on that street corner and tell me that's a healthy way of living your life. Jesus. That's what we listen to. And that's what we support. You know, the white privileged, again, narrative. Bullshit narrative. And I cry angry tears. And I'm not, I don't like being a bloody, you know, feeling sorry for myself. I'm fucking angry still. Like, you won't believe. I can, I can still feel the, the, I get upset. I can still feel the time when I, I disclosed that I had been, what had happened to me um, through sexual exploitation. And then the woman started saying child prostitution. You know, how long have you involved in child prostitution? She dehumanized me. She, she, she had suddenly made it a choice. So no matter what I said, they said, yeah, but you took yourself there. I didn't yeah. fucking take myself there, did yes. I? Yes. I didn't want to go. I didn't. If they, if I'd had a choice, I wouldn't have been there, would I? Absolutely. Times I've said this. I've got people that have been involved in in all of this stuff, and I said to them, if the if the John had put the money down and said you ain't got to suck me off, you can have the money, would they have still suck you off? And if she said, you know what, I took the money and left. Exactly. <laughs> what are you saying? So then people out there that are, are pro it and saying it's the oldest and all this. It, no, it's not. Until you has got to stop. And we can stop it, you know, we can. <laughs> this notion that men's heads are going to pop off or, you know, if they don't get access to a vagina, beggar's belief. <laughs> Fucking beggar's belief. 
you know, my son, I was terrified when, I, w I would have been terrified either way. If I had a girl, I'd have been terrified she were going to be, you know, at risk. Boy, a perpetrator. Or even at risk. But, but and, and honestly, when he was a baby, I used to look at him and think, oh my God, you're a precious little boy, but one day you're going to be fucking women and you're going to be doing stuff and, and I'm not going to be able to cope with it. Because I truly bought into that idea that fucking men couldn't control it. Well, now, you know, and and actually, he's the most gentle giant, and he and you know, loving and caring, and he is amazing. He'll make somebody a fabulous partner one day, you know. Um, but... I, I, I the same way when I had the boys, I, and I, I spoke about affiliate. I, I said I, I thought, what am I going to do? I've got to raise these boys, and they're just going to yeah. go. So I didn't know no different. I, every male around me, my dad, everyone around me, there was some form of abuse. Um, not not always sexual. We weren't with my dad, but it was it was domestic. Yeah. So I just yeah, thought yeah. do what they what they fucking wanted to. And now I've got a daughter as well. I you know my, the fear, like you say, like. But what I've realised is that if they've got the core values and you give them the information of what this stuff looks like, they've already got more chips in the game than me and you because we didn't even know. The first time sexual contact took place with me, I'd never even kissed someone. Exactly. And that's exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So when you was going through, when you was in the midst of it, when you was going through everything that was going on, did you ever see a light at the end of the tunnel? Or had you just accepted that that was you? I uh, when when I um, got away from the perpetrator, um, the pimp, obviously yeah. not the set, the men who were paying to. Um, paid rape um when i when i actually got a bit of a, a light a, 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 i did see a light at the end of the tunnel <clears throat> but i'd been hospitalized on a mental health ward and sexually assaulted on the ward because it was a mixed ward and all the time because on my records it said prostitute because i was at the sexual health clinic all the time paranoid you know a gynecologist in london once said i've got the cleanest vagina in london because <laughs> i've been going so much and he was like god's sake anyway I, I signed myself out of hospital and the one woman the one person that sowed seeds that i were worth more than what were happening to me was a woman who lived in the ghetto where i were prostituted she lived on the street on the on the beat on the you know all sorts of things. She just lived there. She wasn't involved in nothing. She just lived there. Yeah, she lived there. She was actually a lecturer at the university in the city, and she used to walk her children to school. And I like literally hang my head in shame because I'm practically out there twenty four seven, you know, um, and or walking home from school or whatever. And she always looked at me and she always smiled and she always said hello, and her children did as well. And um, and then. Her and I became, you know, because I didn't have friends. That's the other thing. I never had any friends in that life. My life consisted of being on a beat, sexually serving men all day long till my pimp decided it was time for me to go home. He'd often then sexually abuse me or violently, you know, beat me up. Yeah. Um, sat me in a chair one night all night long not allowing me to get into bed just because he were just because he were that way out you know that's just like that from what i from what i experienced um and i used to say to her don't ever let him catch you speaking to me because he'll kill me you know i were under no illusion that that man could have killed me at any time 
In fact, I thank my lucky stars every day. Um, and she said, it doesn't scare me. It doesn't scare me. You, you know, you're worth more. And she just used to say little things to me, not long, because I was too scared to talk to anybody for long. I, I was out there to make that man that money because I just didn't want any violence. And, you know, even though I got the violence, you know the score, Kendra. You know the score. And anyway, she made me memorise her phone number. So I did speak to her when um, when I when I signed myself out of the hospital. And um, she arranged for me to get back to Leeds. And I got back to Leeds. I got to her house. She got, you know, a lovely bubble bath. Two little girls. I was craning with them. Sadly, he found me. He found me. Um... And I went into, I moved out of the house because I thought, oh, I brought all this bloody trouble to her door. And he battered me in front of the children, you know. Um, we're still friends. In fact, I messaged her yesterday. Her daughters, I absolutely adore. So, so it wasn't that I damaged any relationship. She, she planted the seed. And I did see a light. And I did get into a refuge. Although I never talked about prostitution. It was just about violence yeah. i knew if i'd have mentioned prostitution no way would i have got a safe space oh no 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 because we're othered by services you know oh well you're a risk to others yeah to, or to women uh, excuse me you know i didn't fall from a planet to sell to sell myself you know um and um <laughs> anyway i got on a course at college to do childcare, and i loved it i absolutely loved it and all my assignments I were passing, didn't, I wasn't a very good team worker. I wasn't a very good peer because I was terrified of anybody asking me anything about life. Where did you come from? What did you do? Yeah. Yeah. So I kept my head down, kept quiet, you know, just kept myself to myself, did my work. And it came time to do a placement. Obviously, it's part of your training. You have to do a placement. So I'd got, I'd, I lived in quite a nice area, little flat, you know, little tiny flat. And um, I'd moved out of the hostel, got myself a flat, you know, blah, blah, key worker, all that jazz. And um, this is like some time into the college course. And they asked me to do a CRB check. Okay. Well, seriously, Kendra, right? This is how much, how much you're not, you're not you're not connecting when you're in that shit and you're so like far removed on another planet or whatever mm -hmm. i had eight page double-sided criminal record it came up i was gobsmacked i was the one in court i've been in court i've been charged and knew i had them convictions <laughs> and knew i had them. that was the old that was then that was that was that Seriously, that's how much I acknowledged my day-to-day -day existence. It, I didn't acknowledge it. And there I was, with a catalogue of offences that had also gone to Bradford Council, because obviously we're in Bradford. Yeah. They'd informed the school, and I was literally frog-marched off the premises. And I remember going home that night and bathing in Dettel, which is something I did a lot. Thank you. bathed in Dettel. I, I, my mum actually, mum, yeah, anyway, it's, you, yeah. quite damaging, no, but, it can be quite damaging if you do it too much, but I did it quite a bit, Exactly, yeah. exactly. It's another self-harm, isn't it? Scrubbing yourself, you know, it's harm, it's, um, 
it's the toxic shit. Um, anyway, I just thought, I'll just work in a brothel, I'll be fine. Close down, shut down. And I did. I worked in brothels um, from one end of this country to the other. I worked in a licensed brothel in Edinburgh that was absolutely disgusting. And the guy was the biggest pimp I've ever met in all my born days. Spanish guy, you know. Um, bought wall porn, you know it. Just hideous, hideous. And I thought, well, this is it. I either die, I either chuck myself off the fucking bridge, or I accept that this is what I am. And for the next six years, I carried on, you know, and I'd buy designer clothes because obviously I wasn't paying a pimp. Okay, okay. Before you go any further, I designer clothes. Stop a minute, right? Because. Tell, we, we're, we're getting this out for tomorrow. So we're recording this on the 8th for the 6th, right? We're getting it yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're getting out for the 9th. Why? Why do I need to get this out for the 9th for the 6th, 2020? Because it's 25 years exactly since I sold myself. Uh, put myself. I, I mean, it's really difficult, isn't it, to even find the language. This is 25 you know, years. It's 25 years. years. It's meant violating you for money. Yeah, 25 years. Yeah. 25 years. And, uh, and, uh, How do you feel? Well, do you know, so, I mean, can I just share how, why I left the sex trade? What woke me up? Um, I was watching the local news, um, getting ready actually to go to a another brothel, you know. Work as usual. Yep. And my cousin's face came on the news and I knew it was, A, I knew it was a mugshot because I'd had plenty. And B, I knew she were gouching on heroin. I knew from the photograph, from the image. And I I was totally like frozen because the last time I'd seen my little cousin Obviously, I've been estranged from my family 11 years, you know, from reality, 11 years. Um, I, last time I'd seen her, I'd, I remember putting ringlets in her hair, um, um, you know, doing her hair and when we went to visit her. Um, beautiful, beautiful girl. Absolutely beautiful. Just gentle, kind, funny, beautiful. And then obviously my life changed. I didn't see her and I didn't, re- I didn't know that she too had been groomed at the age of 14. Became a heroin user, which I thank my lucky stars every day that I, I wasn't, you know, a bit too late for the heroin and crack. It, it, it flooded the streets as I were getting off, thankfully. I'm just so thankful. Um, <clears throat> Because I know I would have been a junkie. I absolutely know I would. I, I shouldn't even use that word. It's not a nice word. I know I would have been an yeah. addict. I know I would. I know I would. Um, anyway, she was murdered by a man who'd just been released. He'd murdered a 19-year-old young woman some years before who was also was in street prostitution. And um, he got off on the grounds of provocation. 
and was given a very, very short sentence. Oh yeah, her body was found in the footwell of his car, but she was a prostitute. So, you know, obviously she, she caused a road, she provoked him to kill her. That was the first murder. He got out and within no time all he murdered. He murdered my cousin. And that's what was on the news. That was the news. You were seeing that? You were seeing the picture of your cousin? That's what I was watching, yeah. You had no idea? Absolutely no idea. Uh, absolutely no idea. Um, my bubble just burst. And this feeling inside, I woke up. It just smacked. It just burst my bubble. Yeah, yeah. And I phoned my mum. And they had phoned my parents and they had seen him on the odd time, but obviously there's so much damage and they didn't understand and I didn't understand and all the rest of it. And blame and hate and shouting and cursing and anyway, I started to build the bridge. Um, we've had ups and downs along the way we have, but I was very, very, well, you know, it went through, it went through, um, look i worked hard with my parents to rebuild a relationship um and my dad and i really put to bed a lot of anger hatred blame just before he got demented i mean bless him he's passed away he passed away a long time ago now but i feel like i made my peace with yeah. him yes and that were really a real relief because if it if anything would have happened to him and I hadn't have done yeah. and again you know again that's me taking responsibility and if some of that wasn't my fault but I knew we had to talk because you know <clears throat> I needed I needed love I needed security I needed somebody to support me to recover largely I've done it on my own I have I have done it on my own and I'm gonna pat myself on back for that. Okay. But but I have you know I was able to re-establish that link with my parents. And just the other day I spoke to my mum and she said she's proud of me. And that's a lot for my mum. She's a quiet woman. She's just quiet. She does she's not demonstrative um at all and she'll no doubt have her story which you know yeah. we don't always know do we we don't know the no. ins and outs of everybody's lives i'm very open and public about my life you know but that doesn't mean to say everybody wants to, and people don't have to be public if they don't want to do they it's, it's your, no. if you want to tell your story i say to anyone then you should and if you don't then you don't yeah yeah so that was that was it. I got out of the life, and I've never ever been bought since. Did you leave you know, that day, or lived. was it that yeah, day? I've never ever, I've never ever. No man has ever bought me ever since that day. Um, and I was very fortunate as well. I had um, a lovely auntie, and actually she had a history of sexual violence uh, and domestic abuse, and she was the. Um, I've got my family is Scottish, um, okay. that's Scottish. So uh, she she was the uh, she was the warden for a, a, a few old, uh, flats in a tiny little village near the Solway coast in Scotland. And at my cousin's funeral, she literally picked me up and carried me to, to back to Scotland with her. <laughs> and 
she was amazing. She let me stay in bed if I wanted to stay in bed. She, she Again, she didn't have hoops that I had to jump through. It was just safe and loving and caring. And she'd talk to me and listen to me. Listen. She listened and she heard me. Without judgment? Absolutely without judgment. Just with love. And that, of course, you know, helped me along my journey. Um, and a year later, I got pregnant with Elliot, and that's been the best thing ever. Because I've just got a bundle of joy. Well, you just give you something to you got that love when I when yeah. I had my son. Yeah. My mum loved me, but when I had my boy, oh, actually, my heart beats for someone else now. So I know yes. exactly that feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so proud of him, and and likewise, he's proud of me. You know, he, I've been honest about my life as a age appropriate and you know you don't need to know the gory details no. i'd never tell anybody no really the shit i you know because i don't want to yeah. i don't want to tell anyone fiona people think that because we publicly talk about our stories they know what happened to us let me tell you there are things that have happened to me and i've seen happen to others that i will never say out of my mouth no i'm not protecting no one i'm protecting me I will never speak. There's a few things. And as I'm saying, they're going through my head right now. Yep. Never. My heart's, my heart's racing. I'm like, right? I've got a hot. I will never talk about them. And people don't realise that. They think we've put it all out there for everyone to see. Uh -huh. Nah, mate. Nah. Uh, I, you know, I train professionals to talk about my journey. But they have no clue. And, they, and they're horrified by what they hear. That's, that's just the surface. Yeah. So what is different? What do you think can be different? How can we work? How can professionals work to make sure that people don't go through what we did? You're doing Build a Girl. What, what can we say to people? What should they be doing different? Well, I think the focus, the criminal focus around this shit, because I was criminalised for abuse. None of the men who bought or pimped me out ever, ever never. Were, were accountable. Never, none of them. Never, never, never. None of them. And and lots of police officers, when I when I go and train the police, they'll say they ask me what colour my pimps were. Um, and I always say, Well, I'll tell you what, because the biggest number of men who abused me were white privileged men. Straight. Professional men who chose to get in their flashy cars and leave their privileged wives and children and come and drive around the street. And for a fiver or a tenner or whatever shit they wanted to pay you and do what the fuck they wanted to, that's where my anger is. Yeah, don't worry. Understand? Does that matter anyway? Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't excuse my pimp's behaviour, but I kind of understand when you've been really badly educated, brought up in a ghetto, everything's normalised and legitimised, um, and, and nobody gives a fuck. Nobody gives a shit about what you have to live with that they grow up. And their their role models are pimps. I'm not I'm not excusing it, but it doesn't surprise me or shock me. What disgusts me to the core is educated, privileged people going into that world, coming out of it, and leaving dropping. They're literally dropping bombs there, yep. and leaving everybody else to be blamed and shamed for it. Stand up, all you punters, all you sex buyers, whoever. I hope a few of them are watching this. You know, let us see you. Let us see your faces. 
stand up and tell us why it's your right to buy sexual access to rape and, and abuse others. Come on. So, so that's a big thing for me. We put the focus on where it should be always, yeah, on the vulnerable instead of where it should be. Yeah. And education systems drive me insane. They drive me insane. My son is very creative, very arty, brilliant performer. He was never going to be a fucking rocket scientist ever, ever. We need to be creative with our children. You know, yeah. we need to we need to give them these opportunities yeah. where they they find their talent. We grow that talent. We, we water them. We, you know, we nourish them with oh. love, not blaming, not excluding, not criminalizing vulnerable kids. You know, and we need to. Well, that's just a tiny start. You know, it's a, it's a start, um, isn't it? Yeah. I think about educating, I think that when we go and talk, totally. we need people to understand that, you know, sexual exploitation is a form of abuse. Like when people say child sexual exploitation, this just takes, it's child sexual abuse. It's just not happening yes. in the home, you know? Yes. You need to get their head round. I mean, professionals as well, one of the things that bugs me, listen to me, oh, you privileged women who get paid shitloads of money, to give out condoms and clean works to women who are going to die at any minute and you're, you've got your white middle class life going on and you stand up and talk about sex work at the 18, age of 18, stroke of midnight, you, you go from being a vulnerable, exploited girl, being a sex worker, do me a favour because none of your girls be on their hands and knees. It won't be your kids. They'll be off at uni or at Ibiza or whatever. It's not your girls. Well, I tell you what, I am I am sick of it. They drive me to distraction. They are dangerous people. They're the ones because they're so privileged. They're heard everywhere. Nobody wants to listen to the likes of me and you. Tell it as it is. Yeah. Do you know well, what when I say when I when I when I always say to people about all these different things? I ask them a question: Is it good enough for your child? Is what you're doing, your practice, would that be good enough for your child? Because if yes. the answer is no, then change your practice. Absolutely. And if the answer is yes, your child needs removing. Absolutely. And I think that's what you need to realise when you're filling out these forms, when you're dealing with these kids, when you're looking in a young girl's eyes and she's screaming and shouting, and you just dismiss her three strikes and you're out, is that good enough for your child? Because it ain't fucking good enough exactly. for my Exactly. Shutting the door in, in the faces and holding fragile, shattered lives accountable for adult behaviour. Do me a favour. It's got to stop. Oh, it's disgusting. And you know, I was so naive when I started, when I got out of this world. So naive, out of that world. So naive and I met an amazing woman whose daughter had been murdered. Irene Iverson, she's called, and Fiona Iverson, 17, same thing, groomed at 14, nobody listened to Irene, everybody blamed the girl, and she was murdered by a man who, in his defence, the reason he murdered that beautiful young woman, he couldn't come. He couldn't come, so he battered her to death in a car park at 17 years of age. Hey? That's, that's what he said. That, that's, that's, that's what he said. That's what he said, his reason. 
The man who took her to Doncaster were never ever charged. Seriously, just shit. But I met Irene and Irene and I started to go and meet families who've been harmed and go talk to people and speak out, conferences, you name it. Um, and I truly naively thought, I'm going to stop this. This is going to stop. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to expose it. I didn't give a shit what people thought of me. No. I had to expose it. And I went on TV, to, much to my embarrassment, Kilroy and, um, you know, back in the day, I mean, this is how long we're talking, you know, and uh, Vanessa, not Vanessa, although I have met Vanessa Feltz. Um, anyway, anyway, Trisha, Trisha. <laughs> um, but I soon realised, you know, I was so naive. I didn't have an identity. I didn't know what I was. I didn't know what I wanted to be. You were just angry, wasn't you? Well, at 15 years of age, when you enter that life, you don't grow. You don't develop. I stopped my development and was thrown into a world of adult sexual violence and abuse. Came out of it at 26. Then became a mum a year later, or two years later. Yeah. And I'm like, who am I? What am I? You know? Um, but I knew I had to tell my truth. I, had, I knew I had to, and I still feel that, that today. Um, I've tried to come away from it. Yes. But I can't. It burns, doesn't it? You're like... Oh, my God. Honestly, I can't. And I will do this till I take my last breath. I, will, I am responsible, as we all are, for the world we live in. You know, we all should be standing up. I mean, I've been carrying on alarming about Black Lives Matter. You know, we all have a duty to open our hearts, open our minds, educate, prevent, and hold accountable the bloody criminals Absolutely. in the shit. You know? I don't think you'll ever give up. You can't. It's in us. It's something that we do. And it's something we probably will always do. Yeah. And I've got a great big victory because obviously with being criminalised, it's had many barriers. Yeah, and loads and loads of women, hundreds of women from across the globe who've had the same shit. So um, I happen to know the most amazing woman ever, Harriet Wistrich, who was my lawyer. And um, years ago, even before she was a lawyer, I said to her, I, I need to, I need buy this shit system. Um, and um, all these years later, in 2014, when Theresa May was um, Secretary, uh, Home Office Secretary, uh, we wrote to her because she'd stated in a report that the prosecution review report that they would look into historic convictions. Oh, okay. They refused to do that. So we got the hook to take them to the Royal Courts of Justice. Um, I was successful in 2018 in clearing my DBS and two other women who were anonymous in that, which obviously sets a precedent for everyone. I want I want every woman's to be cleared, but you know. Um, and then um, they appealed that win, so we were in an appeal. Um, I know, I know, ridiculous. This Has is that been resolved? Is that still going on? We've won. We've, we've won the appeal for the criminal conviction. However, it's ongoing because apparently it stays on my police record till I'm 100. Well, I'm not a criminal. I'm not a criminal. What? I'm a victim of torture and abuse. So,
So I'm fine. That's ongoing. Then <laughs> you know, it's not you don't want to rest. You can't rest because you're kind uh, of exploited, exploited by the fucking system. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And the public need to know this and understand it and also understand that the pro-lobby, the white privileged women who have groomed society into believing sex works empowering um, for the cocaine and the Gucci handbags or whatever, um, fine. Um, but that's a tiny, tiny minority. The vast majority are harmed, significantly harmed by the sex trade. Absolutely. Um, so so they, they have this... Um, they promote the idea of decriminalisation. Now, many people in society will think, ah, that means women won't be criminalised, which no woman should be criminalised for being abused, which is what prostitution is. But what actually decriminalisation means is all forms, or anyone under the umbrella of the sex trade, that means pimps, traffickers, all the legislation surrounding the sex trade goes so it's a bloody free-for-all and we know exactly what will happen it's already going on around us if you take away the legal framework i mean we need to change the legal framework first of all and have what is known as globally the nordic model the equality model means criminal focus on the sex buyers and traffickers and pimps support women to exit the sex trade safely absolutely and not dragging them out of that life working with them where they're at to look at an exit strategy yeah you know um and and also the other part of that is that that then changes a culture it changes how people see prostitution it's not a job like any other and it's not the oldest profession is oppression, abuse, <laughs> you know. So, still fighting, Kendra, still battling on. And you're never going to give up anyway. No, I know. I'm question now, and it seems a bit pointless because you're just so bloody amazing, but I'm going to ask you, have you learned anything about yourself during lockdown? Yeah. Um, well, I, oh my gosh, I was traumatised by it, and in first, certainly in the first few weeks. Oh yeah. Um, because the unknown and all of that, it just triggers. We've talked about it, haven't we? It wasn't. It was. Yeah. Hard. yeah. yeah. But <clears throat> um, I've learned to slow down to breathe to take time for me because when you're on this mission and i'm flying here and there and everywhere and you know i i don't stop and i'm being at peace with me i love myself but i still sometimes run away from being with me so that's been interesting you know and you like spending time with yourself yeah, I have, yeah. I'm, I'm starting to accept and like and breathe. Do you know what? 
I've walked around like that for years, Kendra, you know, like I've got a humpback and, and a lot of that was standing on the street being so fucking ashamed and disgusted. Also, I've got big knockers, so they weigh me down a little bit. But um, but I'm, when I go out now, I'm putting my shoulders back, I'm opening my chest, just little things like that, you know, and it, it, that's why I mean like a butterfly, you know, it's like, I don't know, it's freeing, it's, it's liberating, but it's not rocket science. It's really simple. Really I've, simple. I've had a few people on here and I spoke to some amazing women and I've said to them, oh, you're the queen. There's two women, um, Diana Curry and, and Kimberly Lamb. I said, they're the queens of, of child protection. You're, my title for you and always has been is that you're the mum of the victims that didn't have the money. <laughs> Uh, and that's what you always be to me you're just the mum that who just says that's enough now we're not doing this come here i'm gonna look after you and i think to be somebody's mum when their mum can't be there it is amazing yeah. i'm yeah. glad to be with you today and it's going to go out when everyone watches this it's going to be the day 25 years to the day that you escaped and got away from the oppression and abuse of men and i'm so pleased that i can share it for you so thank you Thank you, Kendra. I love you to bits, and you're a fucking warrior. I love you. Look at this woman. Yeah, warrior. Very nice. Say goodbye to everyone. Oh, goodbye, everybody. Lots of love. Peace. Peace and love. Honestly.